Hello and welcome to episode 94 of Table Variation. I'm Walter. I'm Matt. I'm Kyle. And we are coming at you from the futuristic year of 2021. Hey, it's not 2020. Thank goodness. That was my futuristic noise. Cool. It sounded very future-y. It did. Yes. Uh, as we hollow project into this podcast, we'll be talking about role-playing games for like 5% of it, I'd say. Uh, I'll be generous and say 10. Yeah. We'll say like seven minutes and two toes. I was going to say more than a, we talk about toe thumbs, less than Wonder Woman 84. Uh, we talk about Wonder Woman 1984 far yes. too much. If you like that movie or don't want spoilers for that movie, you should not listen to this podcast. Correct. We do talk about it extensively. Matt does not <laughs> like it. That's your first spoiler warning. I don't think that's much of a spoiler. <laughs> Jesus. Well, this is Table Variation. Cue the music. But yeah, so here we are. It is 2021. The year of the C-Lab. The year of the what? C-Lab 2021. Oh my god, C-Lab 2021. Was that a Cartoon Network original? Yeah, I believe so. Is that one of the things where they took the footage of another show and they dubbed over it? Yes. That's why I'm like, I don't know if it's an original per se. (laughs) Dude, all of those shows are on HBO Max. Like C-Lab and The Brack Show and Space Ghost are all on HBO Max. So I know everyone is talking shit about HBO Max, but I actually thought it's been a pretty good streaming service. It has a lot of stuff on it. It's got Studio Ghibli, it's got Turner Classic Movies. Dog, it's got Space Ghost Coast to Coast, and that's really... It, it carries the whole adult swim package, doesn't it? It's a big package. Yeah, it, it does. It okay. has pretty much everything that it, all those weird adult swim shows. I mean, I did get it for free, so that's probably why it's good. I don't know <laughs> that, that helps. <laughs> I don't know how much it costs, but like through AT and T or whatever, I got it for free when I got a new phone. Nice. But yeah, so 2021, it is literally New Year's Day. We are recording this on the first day of the year. What have you guys been up to? Well, well, not to change the topic well, too much, but uh, HBO Max is what I've been up to. Um, <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> uh, no, actually, my big thing is I uh, just got done watching the uh, miniseries Chernobyl, and it is amazing. Like, really good historical fiction, um, and a lot of accuracy as to what happened and how things unfolded with that whole event. So that's, oh, that's yes. what I've been watching. It is pretty fantastic. No, I uh, actually just, like, three hours ago finished playing... Uh, the first session of a new D&D campaign, oddly enough. Whoa, whoa, you're talking about role-playing games on this podcast? I don't I know. I don't know about that. But no, how was your first session? What what game is it? What system? Who are it's, your players? All that? It's a uh, it's 5th edition D&D. Um it is with Lucas and then like three other people that Lucas I think knows. I don't know. It's someone who I think has GM'd in the past, but wanted to kind of get back into it and it was billed to me as a uh this the person gming wants to get back into gming so as long as you're okay with a mediocre experience would you like to play (laughs) (laughs) wow that that is like literally how this campaign was billed to me so in other words what you're saying is the matt heisler dming experience is a mediocre experience i'm not dming oh okay i thought you were dming this and i was like no i'm a a player this is (laughs) Yeah, that's the experience is a mediocre one. Pretty messed up. That's where you went first, man. Like, you could have been talking about anything. 
<laughs> well, I went there because that's why I thought he was the GM. So you knew it would be mediocre? <laughs> Damn it. But so it was a good first session? Yeah. I, I think it's a pre-written adventure. Um, I don't know if it's one that's specifically for 5th edition. My guess is it's like an Adventures League one. I think just to start out, you know, uh, it'll probably, it seems like, be a two or three session and we're, you know, done with it. I don't know if this is going to be a long, like a long-term campaign or what, but yeah, it was good to start. So we'll see. I'm playing a, uh, a character concept that I've had for quite a while and I've just never done. So that's fun. What character? So I'm playing in fifth edition. Uh, you can play Azamar, and there are three variants on the Azamar. Uh, the differences are one of them gets like one minute a day. You get angel wings. One of them for one minute a day, you essentially light yourself on fire and deal radiant damage to everything around you, including yourself. And then one, the other one is uh, you grow like a skeleton, like one skeletal wing that doesn't give you a fly speed, but it makes everything around you have to make checks against fear. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I'm playing the... Also, uh, Azamar are just naturally resistant to radiant damage. Okay. So I'm playing the the one that you basically light yourself on fire. In a and, human torch. And you do radiant damage, so you're naturally immune to your own radiant damage. Um and then combining it with the it's the celestial uh patron for a warlock. Oh yeah. Um and with the Azamar and the Celestial, you get like a free cure wounds spell and a free pool of like lay on hands, but you can lay on hands at sixty feet with that pool just for free. They're not spells. Okay. <laughs> so like you get to basically play a normal class. And then yeah, once per day you can just human torch it up and burn everything. Nice. That's pretty fun. Yeah, it seems I the impression I was given as well is that it's a a group that is not super experienced with the other players. Um, so I figured playing a class that can literally be a tank or a melee or a ranged DPS or whatever the party the while, while also being the healer, like I can basically do whatever the the party needs. As long so. as you don't do each of those roles better than someone else that specialized in it. I think you're good. Yeah, agree. yeah, of course. Like, I'll just spec because, like, you don't have to choose your full spec until level three. So we'll just spec in whatever the party's lacking in. To yeah. Fight. So if the party needs a front line, then I'll go pack to the blade and you know take like some buffs and things. If the party, I don't think we're gonna need uh, a caster because the entire party is casters. But so for the game, are you playing like on roll d twenty or are you using a different uh, system? Yeah, it's it's, play it's it's roll twenty. Okay. Just playing like those Domino's employees, just in person, no masks, stealing their employees' tips, right? Yeah, I just I just drive over the border to Idaho, and it's fine. <laughs> as long as you're not in Moscow. That was that was our local Domino's, by the way, not Domino's as a whole, but our local Domino's, yeah. I guess, was stealing the drivers' tips and yeah. also not wearing masks. We may have lost Domino's as a sponsor potentially. No, so it's like it's interesting. It's like. Uh, colloquially like we talk about like terrible shit people are doing and then you can also just add like as a writer like oh and they weren't wearing a mask like yeah easy oh like this guy is like stealing cars and shit and he wasn't wearing a mask like oh what an asshole <laughs> yeah no um our group has one person in michigan two people on mountain time i'm not sure where in the mountain zone they are and then two of us here in pullman so that's that's new as well for me trying to coordinate you know, two hours, three hours ahead, because most of the games I 
played have always been everyone's just local. Yeah, the remote thing is like it's tricky, and at some part you kind of just have to like, are we waiting for this guy? Are we? Are we not? Like, are they in the game? Are we just kind of moving on? Are we all not playing this day because that one guy can't show up? The logistics yeah. of it are terrible. Yeah. No, I had one of those experiences, and a three-hour time difference is pretty brutal. When we did, it was something like we had somebody in uh, what was it, Indonesia, essentially. That was playing with us and so he was playing like at two o'clock in the morning we were playing it here at like seven in the morning and it's like what are we doing yeah indonesia is what like 14 hours ahead of us or something like that yeah it was ridiculous and like another party member was like in scotland so we just had like all these random times oh we yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's quite quite the group in the 21st century dream but yeah so it sounds like fun stuff I've played, I think, one game of Pathfinder since our last podcast a month and change ago. (laughs) The people I play with are also in another game that meets like every other Saturday. And if you look at the calendar for December of 2020, every other Saturday was some sort of holiday or event. So one group got to play every other Saturday. And then the people that were on like the alternate Saturdays had holidays every single time, including Thanksgiving. So like they haven't gotten to play at all. So I'm in the group that's on the Saturdays that were all holidays. So I haven't played a game in a super long time. Wow. Yeah. That, yeah that's a little, that's a ways to go, buddy. Yep. I mean, I'm playing lots of video games, but I'm not playing, you know, pencil and paper digital games. So. Yeah. Our, our Wednesday game has actually still been going pretty strong. So that's been nice. Yeah, no, I was talking with some people that are in both the Wednesday game and the alternating Saturday one, and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm, pl- I'm playing like four games a week still. Like, what? Who? How? I, 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 play like, <laughs> I play like one game every month and a half. This is terrible. But no, it's been, it's been a good break. Did you guys have a good holiday season? Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, for me, it was pretty quiet. It was just myself, my wife, my daughter, and my mother-in-law, and that's it. Um but I don't know if it would have been much different any other year. So, mm-hmm. well, and this is your first year with your newborn, right? Exactly. So I think even if we didn't have COVID, I think we would have stayed home. Maybe my parents would have come out, but that would have been it. Yeah. And at some point it's like, uh, you, your kid's not going to know who was there on their first birthday, probably like down the road. Yeah. They're not even going to know if daddy was there for the first birthday or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And that's why I was out drinking with the guys, honey. Like, come on. You can't blame me for missing her birthday. No, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't try that excuse. No, I, I'm going to go out for scratchers. You go out for scratchers. Nice. Get, some, get some pull tabs while you're at it. Sure. Why not? <laughs> but no, as, as this year's ending and we all kind of know how this year was and we we're looking forward to the new year, even though it's just this arbitrary measure of whatever we've gone once around the sun. Right. So a year has passed. So it's semi-arbitrary. Uh, what things are you looking forward to going forward in this year with games? Is there like specific games you're looking forward to or just new things that you want to try? I would like to actually get this Icewind Dale game as I tried to start two different versions of it. I'd like to get at least one of them off the ground digitally or in person at some point. Matt, I will play in your Icewind Dale game. It will be the first time I have ever played 5th edition, and I will play it for you. That is a wow. sacrifice. I will let you be my first, Matthew. <laughs> just just be gentle and respect me. How can you say no to that? I mean, <laughs> oh, just, I'll just have to 
I'll play I'll play the the book as written and I'll just kill you guys at like level two. Okay. So it'll be just like Pathfinder First Edition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So Kyle, Kyle's first time playing Pathfinder was Society, so it was as written, and they played like the adventures that Kyle happened to play are like among the five percent of like the hardest low level games out there. And then every time he played, there was like two people that were higher level, so they always got pushed to the higher level bracket, and he was level one, so he just got fucking killed. Do you remember that, Kyle? Yeah, I do. That was pretty brutal. <laughs> Kyle played three times, and I think he died or almost died every game. He was like, well, Pathfinder's really hard, guys. (laughs) Excellent. And I mean, and to be fair, I was also building only core-based characters, that kind of thing, because I was like, I don't don't want that complexity. I'm just like, I want this to be basic as possible. I'm a basic guy, basic things. Yeah. Yeah, Kyle's like... Kyle's like hunting with like a stone spear, and we've got like M16s. Just it wasn't very even, but no, I, I'm excited, Matt. What's the coolest part about this campaign without spoiling it? What what's if you're selling it to your other players? What do you tell them? Well, without uh, without spoiling it, hmm. which is really tough because <laughs> one of his potential players is on the line right now. Potential yeah. players? Fuck you, Kyle. I said I would. I'll do. <laughs> I was talking about me, actually. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. Sell it to Kyle. Let's hear it. I already um, made a character. I want to yeah. do this. You made a character? What? We we literally, so for our Sunday game, we like made characters and then we had to go back into COVID lockdown and the group just has not wanted to play online, which is like fair enough. So characters got made and that's that's as far as we've gotten. <laughs> I see. Yeah. So, I mean, my thing this year is I really want to play the new hunter with, uh, the, what was it? Uh, what's her name? Uh, Tasha's uh, Cauldron of Everything. Yeah, Tasha's book. Yeah, I built a, a ranger and I want to play it in Matt's campaign. So that's what I want to do this year. What's the new thing that you're talking about? Basically, they took some of the really kind of very situational ranger abilities like, oh, pick a terrain. And then if you're in your favorite terrain, you get all these bonuses and they you know build up over levels. They basically allow you to get rid of that and just take some general static abilities um, like, oh, hey, you get an extra skill and an extra language, you know, at level one. Um, at a later level, you just get a bonus to like your stealth checks and other things like that. So more general bonuses instead of having to be restricted to a certain type of terrain. So like, uh, the the last hardcover like splat that came out for fifth edition is the Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, I think. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that's the name. And it's... Honestly, the book feels it, it has some expansion stuff like there's some new things in it. Um, but like what Kyle was saying for the Ranger, they kind of did for all of the classes to a certain extent where the book feels like this is paper errata, but they've couched it all in like it's optional rules. I do remember this. Yeah, because I think what they wanted to avoid was like, you know, Adventures League. Someone shows up and they're like, I want to play this thing and they're like oh the rules for that aren't in the player's handbook it's been errata and it's in this tasha's book you have to buy that one too right whereas this way what you're playing out of the core like just the player's handbook that's still totally fine but there's these optional rules that i'm assuming adventures league will just carte blanc say are fine that are essentially wizards being like yeah we're errata these classes without errata these classes oh cool 
So, and yeah, like the Ranger is probably one, like one of the biggest beneficiaries of it, but there's a lot of other stuff. That's just, you know, some quality of life, um, gives you a little bit more flexibility. No. Yeah. It makes sense. No, the, that's, um, they did that with the Pathfinder Unchained book, right? Where they came out with like yeah. another version of the rogue that was, you know, modified and, you know, mechanically stronger in almost every way. But if you wanted to play the old one, you still could. And they're both viable or whatever. Yeah, this like with what Kyle was saying with the Ranger is one of the big failings of the Ranger is that there's a spell, a uh, hunter's mark that is like very core to how the Ranger plays. Just if you want to do damage as a Ranger, you pretty much have to have hunter's mark. The problem with it is Rangers don't get a ton of spells. So you're basically priced into saying, well, I don't get to use any of my other spells. I only ever get to cast hunter's mark. Gosh. What they've done is they've said, here's this alternate rule that you can play that is effectively Hunter's Mark, but it's not a spell. It still requires your concentration, just like Hunter's Mark, so you can't stack them, but it doesn't take your spell slots. That's like yeah. literally, all, it's just, we just took away that part so you can, you know, have this core functional piece of your class, but not feel like you can't do anything else. That's very dope. I like that. Yeah. So. It is like the Unchained book, I guess, and that it's kind of fixing a lot of stuff. But I wouldn't say that anything that's in it is inherently like this is 100% more powerful than the old stuff or anything like that. No, I would uh, agree with that fully. It's it's some fixes that needed to be. And some things just having them written. Like one of my favorite things that they did across all classes is just like, oh, hey, when you gain your ability points every four levels, you can retrain this you know, class ability if you want to and just made it more formal so that if you're like, oh, hey, I built my character. Oh, wow, I kind of screwed it up and it's not really a good build. I can adjust that and fix it at certain uh, benchmarks too. Yeah, like all of the spellcasters got the ability to just like retrain some spells for free when they level up at certain points. Oh, nice, yeah. Like they, you baked don't have that in, um, they baked that into the spontaneous casters in Pathfinder. So like you pick your spells, they're locked in, but every time you get a new level of spells, you can shuffle around your lower level ones. Yeah, so effectively, instead of every other level, it's every four levels for fifth. But Cool, very cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm my thing with fifth edition was always, I'm down to try it, but no one ever was running a game of it and had an open seat. I know that sounds bizarre, but most of the time when people are like starting games, it was for Pathfinder. And the only people playing D&D were you guys and you have your Sunday group that does it. And you have this consistency where you have like, we've had the same people on and off for like 10 years or whatever. So it's like a pretty big ask to be like, we're going to bring someone brand new in. That, that like doesn't happen frequently, right? Yeah. No, it doesn't. It's basically if somebody moves away, shifts, then we're like, okay, we have an open seat. And we go to our roster. Do you want to be put on that list, Walter? <laughs> I mean, I just want to play this game with Matt. I, I don't necessarily need to play it on Sunday. <laughs> Matt also could run two of them. I mean, just saying. It's going to be like at least March, I think, before Washington State lets you do anything in person anyway. That is probably true, yeah. But no, so you're looking forward to playing that game. Kyle, you're looking forward to playing in it. Matt's looking forward to running it. Is there anything else? Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to COVID. You know, hope. I'm hopeful that things will be better and, you know, come maybe July, you know, here's my quote of the day. Come July 4th, that might be the first return to normal holiday we have. Kyle, I, I think your quote of the day here is I'm looking forward to COVID dot dot dot. And we'll just cut that part. Well, out. I mean, so what I've heard is around April, I think when it gets warmer, it'll just go away. 
That's after you inject the bleach into yourself. Yeah, you want direct sunlight and bleach, I believe. We'll have to ask our medical representative. Oh, he has his hand over his face. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that that's, that is correct, though. I've heard. No, um, I mean, I'm obviously looking forward to playing again. I realized I haven't played an in-person game since March. And like they're saying, now it's going to be March at the earliest when things start getting back to a semblance of normality where we live. So it'll have been a full year since I've played in person. And there's definitely something lost playing online. But I will say this, I have not been isolated. I've been playing a ton of World of Warcraft online, and I've been in Discord, like a voice program, almost the entire time talking to people. So like, I haven't been socially isolated from anyone, even though I've just been at my house being like a human mealworm, just kind of living in my filth, eating, crawling to the bathroom, and then going to bed periodically. It's been a fantastic existence. <laughs> God, there's so much I want to unpack there. <laughs> like, I'm sure my body has aged like three more years than it should have, but I'm having a great time. Way to make lemonade out of these lemons. <laughs> you just like huck them at each other. I mean, it's probably some really skanky, nasty lemonade that I wouldn't want to put to my own lips. But hey, you do you. Yeah, I got like the Howard Hughes nails going on. No, uh, I was thinking. So I I got bored the other day and I went and I looked because I do these these dungeons and they're like 30 to 45 minute little challenge modes where you have to play with five people. So you and four other people and you're trying to defeat like a harder and harder difficulty every time you do it. And in order to succeed at the higher levels, you basically have to be talking in voice chat and you have to be coordinating what you're doing. So it's like playing through combat in a D&D game where it's very important that everyone's making the correct tactical decision every time. And you know what the correct tactical decision is because you've done this fight 50 times. But this time, the enemies do one more point of damage. So it's even more important that you get it right. And eventually you get to a point, right, where it breaks and you can't do it. Like you can't physically, you know, continue anymore. And the goal is to like get to that point and then recognize it and then try to get further each time. But I realized I did the math. I spent like over 60 hours in one month doing nothing but this content. So for the month of December, I I spent 60 hours playing this single part of the game. I was doing all this other shit in the game too, but just this part of it. And I realize it has not made me any better at communicating with people. It sounds uh, sounds like you're just beating your head against a wall. I mean, like we've advanced, but what's interesting is like with anything, I think the more time you spend doing it right, the better you should get at it. Or at least you should be learning something from it. But it was a good reminder because I've gotten into like arguments with people online. I know it never happens. No one ever argues online. But I've gotten into arguments online with people and I was thinking about it and I realized like I've been doing this like 60 hours this month. You'd think I would be better at not getting in arguments with people because I've been doing it so much. But it's not what I was focusing on. I wasn't focusing on the human, like the, like the, the conversation aspect of doing this activity. I was focused on the numerical aspect i was focused on like succeeding each time and like pushing that bar a little farther but i wasn't focused on talking to those people any better so i think this next month 
even if I only play like four hours instead of 60 hours, what I'm going to try to focus on is the talking to people aspect of it and just be better at communicating so that less of those instances occur. I, th- I think that's reasonable. And I think that's an admirable goal, but I, you know, I hear it be my, I guess, challenges like, you know, what, where's your strength set? I mean, if your strength is running the numbers and making that happen, I almost think there's a strength in staying with that and maybe having that communication up front with the others that, Hey, this is my strong suit. I know this really, really well. This is where I know I need some help. I need help with the chatter and the talking, that kind of thing. And more going about it that way with your group. Yeah. But even that right would be an act of improving my communication. That's fair. Yeah. See, what if you just embraced the principal Skinner meme? What? Am I out of touch? No, it's the children who are wrong. No, it's the children who are wrong. I actually said that today. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Uh, It's a fantastic meme. Yeah, it's, I don't know. So just like as a general goal going forward, now now as I paint with my giant Bob Ross brushstroke here and we tie this whole tapestry of a podcast together, you know, 2020 is really hard. And regardless of what your opinions are, I bet you about half the country disagrees with you. Yeah, that's probably true. You know, those people still exist and they didn't go away, even though we have this arbitrary measure that a year has passed. They're still there and their opinions haven't changed. And you are going to be around for a lot more cycles around the sun. So you're going to have to figure out how to deal with it. And the easiest way is probably to find a way to get along with them somehow. You know, Uh, maybe. I mean, I think you're going to go through life and there's going to be your own version of a little five-man group that you're doing 30 minutes of an activity with, whether it's playing Icewind Dale or playing World of Warcraft or going to the grocery store. Like, you, you got to figure out how to get along with these people. There's going to be people with differences and you're going to have to reconcile those differences if you want to succeed at anything you're doing in a group setting. Mm, you're not wrong. Just, I could also just stay here in quarantine. That is true. You could go back to my Kafka-esque mealworm analogy where you could just become a (laughs) slug person. It's honestly not bad. The only thing that hurts is like this crushing realization that you are what's wrong with society. Um, And that starts to set in like around day 20. And that's where I, (laughs) I spent like a week doing nothing to contribute to the world. Like, I didn't even take the trash out. We just had, like, giant piles of cardboard by the door, and neither of us were leaving the house. So I was like, I could recycle these. and eh, eh, they'll just stay there. Yeah, like They'll be fine. They'll be fine. Like, I feed my dogs and take them out. Like, I, there's nothing else I have to do. I could bathe, but, eh, why? Conserve water. I gotta conserve water. That's, that's what you're doing for the for the world. <laughs> sweaty neckbeard gamers are really the most depressed people, don't you see? (laughs) Good lord. But no, so like, I busted out my copy that you got me of Count Monte Cristo and I started reading it again. Nice, that's a good book. I know, I'm trying to like, become a better person. Uh, So I'm reading. Okay, I would say... There's definitely some uh, some messages you could take from that book that would not make you a better person. Oh, no. Like, there's a heck of a uh, lot of bad stuff in there. For its time period, it's actually not that racist. Uh, uh, I, I, I guess I'm just in the chapter where he's talking with his Arabian manservant. Yeah. No, I mean, like, it's it's definitely present. It's just if you compare, <laughs> if you comparatively speaking to other contemporary books, it's not as bad. 
Do you remember how um, you would take like you'd be in eighth grade and you'd be taking an English class and you'd you know write write something down like for creative writing or whatever, and the teacher yeah. would say, okay, you need to put a period here and you need to put a comma here because those are like three separate ideas. There shouldn't be one sentence. You know, those are three separate sentences. Yeah. I feel like Alexander Dumont never had that teacher is I have now read two separate paragraphs and two separate chapters that are in fact one sentence. So they're like 13 lines long and it's one sentence. So he, uh, he had a teacher called newspaper serialization <laughs> where, where the more words that he wrote the more money he made <laughs> i was wondering if they like gave him a limit of like a hundred periods and he was like all right you motherfuckers i can do this and he just had like super long run-on sentences yeah actually i honestly don't know if any of that has to do with the printing process originally but i do know that the length of the book is specifically because he was writing it as a weekly I think it was a weekly installments thing. And wasn't he like an alcoholic not to speak ill of the dead? Oh yeah. So he, he was, he was fueling his alcoholism with this, you know, kind of Scheherazade esque never ending story that he kept adding he to. He really liked to drink and he really liked to hire hookers. All right. Those were like his, uh, that was, that was his thing. And he just, he wrote, you know, <laughs> that's what he spent 60 hours a week doing. <laughs> Yeah, that and writing is basically all he did. <laughs> oh, jeez, hard to live up to his dad. So, but yeah. Anyway, I'm I am looking forward to this year. It's so hard to keep producing this podcast when there isn't content for it. So we yeah, when when nothing is happening. I really, so the things that I'm trying to that I was trying to focus on this episode, we're talking about like the interpersonal relationships that seem to transcend the games that we have talked about in the past, but. Aside from that, I just don't have anything else really beneficial to say. Do you guys have yeah. anything? Uh, maybe we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> well, I think we should end by talking about what we were talking about before this podcast. Wonder Woman 2. Oh, Wonder Woman 1984. Well, it's, yeah, it's Wonder Woman 1984, but I believe you don't need to see the first uh, 1983 before it to, for it to make sense, right? Uh, you should probably see number one. But yes, you want to see one, but you can skip the 1900 between it. Yes, and you don't need Justice League for it. Was that a movie? Yeah. Uh, technically. Oh, yeah, oh that was Avengers. terrible. I remember so, that. Something, okay, just as an aside, something that I find super just bizarre is that, like, if you move into DC's animated films, a lot of them are really good. Yes. I don't understand how they have such a hard time translating those scripts to live action. Yeah. Have you heard the phrase in business, the left hand's not talking to the right hand? Yeah, seriously. Yeah, I believe it, that's it, it, it's not like it's a lack of funding. Like they're dumping millions of dollars into these movies to try to keep up with like the Avengers and the Marvel universe. I kind of wonder, does DC have like a, a Kevin Feige, you know, like a kind of that Helms person of the cinematic universe to say, okay, this is where the buck stops. I make the calls. No, and I don't. I, don't like, like I honestly don't think that they do. And that's probably the big problem, but cause it's, it's just so crazy. Cause like the, the animated films, you know, like you can identify a DC animated film, like within the first 30 seconds, because the animation style on all of them is the same. And the storytelling is very similar. And it's like, they just don't translate that to live action whatsoever. 
Did you see, uh, have you seen the Superman Red Sun that they made off of the uh, Mark Miller graphic novel? No, but I am familiar with it. It's pretty good. It's not as good as the graphic novel, but it's pretty good. Nice. But yeah, okay. So spoilers for 1984 if you haven't seen it. Oh. Why why didn't you like this movie? Kyle, you haven't seen it, right? I have not seen it, but I've read the full plot line story, that kind of. Okay, so, so we're we're good to talk about this. Oh god, yeah. Okay, so there's a couple of well, there's more than a couple of problems with it, but the story is very I felt disjointed and nothing matters. Like not nothing happens. The bad guy in it is just like really not all that terribly threatening. Um there's no uh they lay I guess the the literary term would be they put a lot of like Chekhov's guns into this story and then they just leave them <laughs> like yeah there you go and then nothing happens and like the big climax yeah. the big climax scene where like she's confronting pedro pascal's character after he's like achieved his goal or whatever and she's like making this big passionate speech to like the people of the world and it two seconds after that was done i couldn't tell you a word she said because it it was so boring and made meant nothing <laughs> Your brain just turned off to like to protect itself. Yeah. Cause like it, and the thing is too, like, Oh my God, I was saying like Pedro Pascal, he plays, he plays the bad guy. Um, he did a really good job with the shit that he was given. Like he acted the hell out of that role, but it was just such a <laughs> bad role. Yeah. So, okay. So before we get into the rest of your points, I did want to talk about that guy. So I think that it is, it's very cool that they have a villain who has his superpower. He has like hands down the coolest power of any, like the most creative power I would say of any villain that's come out of any of these movies so far. That said, it didn't have a true villain because he wasn't really a villain. He was just kind of there. So I understand what you're saying like that it's bad from it's it's like bad for the plot, right? That they don't have this like, oh, we're going to point a finger at that guy. That's the fucking bad guy. We got to fucking kill that bad guy. He's a bad guy. Well, and so like in, my understanding is they're trying to make a sympathetic villain, you know, because that's what really yeah. sells well. But, but a lot of sympathetic villains die in the end. So the thing is, the the thing that makes them the most sympathetic is when they do they do this like montage of him growing up in like an abusive household and how he was bullied and all this stuff. And you know when they show you that scene? Three seconds before the movie ends. Correct. So he's just an asshole who's a con man for 98% of the movie. And then after everything is over, then you find out, oh, he's actually not that bad. Like, he, then he's the same. Like, it's just stupid. And well, then, so, yeah, that's oh, terrible. I was going to say, like, I, I don't care that he's, like, stupid in that regard. I was just saying, like, the mechanical aspect of how his superpower works is very cool oh yeah like his, the power itself is because cool. they never explain it to you you kind of have to figure out what's going on and by the like in the last 15 minutes river you they tell you what his powers are but before then you can like you have to figure out what's happening so like okay obviously yeah. you touch the stone you make a wish but you don't get that it has a cost until like halfway through when you start seeing the effects it's having like, I don't know. I thought it was very cool. Also, so, he couldn't make wishes. He had to convince other people to wish for things. Because everyone then, only gets one. Because everyone only gets one. one and he, oh, dude, it was so good. Like, no, I, don't so know, I thought it was fantastic. So here's here's the thing, right? Like, 
the the movie actually doesn't start too badly, I think. Um, and then you get like they find out, you know, oh, they do some research and they find this stone that like grants these wishes, and they are trying to track it through history. And then you know they find the the like band that the stone had been sitting in, and it's got the language of the gods written on it. And you're like, oh, cool. And like you expect, or at least I expected that like we as the audience would like find out more about this stone and where it's from and what it does as the characters learn about it. But then, like you said, they don't ever do that. It's very weird too. It it never happens. It's obviously like an Amazonian thing. Like it's from her backstory. It's it's like a Greek or a Roman God created it or something is basically what they imply. Yeah. And she said like, that's, that's like her lore, right? It's not like this is like Thor's stone or he's not, he's not DC, but like, you know, this isn't, this isn't from Krypton. This is like from Amazonian shit. And we have all these actors, or I guess actresses in the first part of the movie that were in a bunch of the first movie. And they're in the first part yeah. of this movie. We never see them again. Like, why did Diana just not take that fucking invisible jet and go back there and talk to some of her old contacts? Like, yo, what's up with this stone that we obviously made at some point? Yeah. Well, and I mean, like, you know, in the first movie, right, like her whole thing is she's trying to find Ares, like this god who's doing this stuff. And then you find this stone in the second movie that you find out after, you know, the first 20 or 30 percent of the movie. You find, oh, the stone was made by the gods as well. It's made by the god of lies. Yeah. Well, and like the way that she described it, I was assuming, honestly, just that they were going to be like, oh, you know, some gods made powerful things like this. And I was like, oh, so we're going to get like Hephaestus or whatever, who's like the god of the forge, like made this thing. Yeah, it'd be cool if there was another god, but I, I don't know. I guess they didn't want to repeat themselves. Which is fine. It's just that they they tell you, look at this stone. Uh, we found out that it's been all over history and all the civilizations always collapsed from it. And it's got this language of the gods written on it. And then that's it. That that's the rest of the stone. We don't give a shit about it for the rest of the movie. Yep. And you're just like, w- why? <laughs> so here's a question, and this is probably heavy spoiler. What, and I didn't pick this up, but what do they actually do with the stone at the end of it? Uh, so about halfway through the movie, Pedro Pascal uses his one wish to turn himself into the stone, and it dissolves into dust, and he becomes the wish granting stone. But there was like this metal band that the stone was like uh, mounted on. And so as they're trying to like find him, cause they, they know that he has the stone and they're like, we got to get it back from him. Cause it's, you know, powerful or whatever. And they go to find him and they, they only find the, the band. And that's when Diana picks it up and is like, Oh, it's the language of the gods. And then she kind of does a little bit of exposition on how like some gods made powerful items. And then we just ignore it for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Kyle, so, that's why I was saying his, his superpower is really cool. His superpower was he wished to be the monkey paw so he could grant wishes to people but in exchange he took something from them so he accumulated a bunch of power and got to do whatever he wanted by manipulating other people's wishes so he'd like go to a rich person and be like what do you wish for okay i'll give it to you in exchange i'll take all yeah, your power and but money they also had to touch him that was all the because that's also right. how the stone worked you have to touch the stone and so now you have to touch him right but at and some then, point there's a resolution to him that he's no longer the so stone. what you what you find out is that because uh diana wishes for steve to be alive and what you find out is that you can renounce your wish and it goes back to the way it was before and but why would you why would you renounce right the counterpoint is like why would you ever renounce yeah. your heart's true desire 
And that's like, cause you're yeah. paying some price that's worse than the thing you wished for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so like, that's the whole thing with the end of the movie is she gives her speech. Uh, you see the, the montage of his backstory and then the whole world just renounces their wishes and everything goes back to the way it was, which implies that the stone also exists again, but they don't resolve that either. I think he okay, renounced his of- wish. I don't think everyone renounces their wish. I think it was just him. And then since he no, no longer exists, he, he renounced it. No, they, they do a montage with, you know, they're, sh- they do a first, they do a montage that shows all these people, you know, like in England, the, I wish all you oh, Irish, yeah, yeah. Irish people got kicked out and, I wish you would drop dead and then those get reversed because th- it shows those people renouncing their wishes and then yes. he renounces his wish as well, which stops the ability for everyone else to keep making wishes. So like, obviously it had a very clear plot, Kyle, there was no confusion about what happened. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like honestly, even what happened wasn't that confusing. It was just dumb. <laughs> I mean, I didn't have any bigger problem with the movie than I've had with any of the other superhero movies the bar is pretty low if i'm being honest yeah i agree it's just that like i honestly thought the first one was decent and this one was pretty terrible i was gonna say you answered my main question i want to know because i love the mandalorian series i really want to know how pedro pascal was in this oh he himself was really good i felt i thought pedro pascal did a really good job uh, yeah, it's it's worth watching. He plays a very skeevy con man very well. He's the skeevy, charismatic con man. It also has and Kristen Wiig in it as like the third or second billing. Like, I think she might be above Chris Pine. Yeah, she is. She's like the second bill on it. And she's the second villain, Kyle. Yeah, how how was she as the villain, too? Somebody that's so, very not, not Not very good. I, I mean, eh, I think she was fantastic until they decided to put her in a full cat suit. Uh, with no anus, mind you, just like cats. (laughs) So like what you were saying earlier, like you had to figure out what the powers were or whatever. I thought it was super interesting. They, they, they made it or they implied that her, cause her wish was to be strong. Like Diana, then they start showing her getting stronger. And then we see some scenes where Diana actually is getting like injured and things like that. And they, they heavily imply that like what's happening is that the wish to become stronger is at the detriment of Diana specifically. And then you find out at the end of the movie, of course, that no, Diana just got coincidentally exactly weaker because Steve's alive and that uh, Kristen Wiig got stronger at the expense of her humanity. So I didn't mind that too much, although I agree it was confusing. The reason I did, the reason I don't mind it is because Diana asked for someone to come back to life. So in exchange, she has to lose her immortality, which is very Lord of the Rings. I I actually liked, so like most of that is okay. I like the fact that it was like ambiguous and you thought that like, Oh, she's like draining her power. And that's why. And then you're like, wait, what did Diana give up? Then you find out, Oh, it's just that like, she got all this power of like a demigod at the expense of giving a shit. (laughs) Yeah. That's what she gave up. She just doesn't care anymore. Which was totally fine, which is why she never renounced it. Yeah, it just was like, (laughs) it just seemed like kind of a stupid, like, Diana's giving up her immortality. This other lady is just like, I'm now an asshole. Yeah, they also do, Kyle, they do the thing that's like very tropey of romantic comedies where they'll take like some hot actress and 
make her wear like unattractive clothes and act very unattractive, you know, whatever cliched. And glasses, and, and, don't forget that. But of course she has glasses, of course. And then because she wants to be like Deanna, she becomes more attractive throughout the movie just by like adjusting her clothes and straightening her hair. Yeah, she's also like she works out all the time. She takes care of her skin, yada, yada. Like there's all these other aspects that have been happening all the time. It's not like it's like the Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman kind of Selena Kyle thing. Oh, God, it wasn't. Yeah. It's not it's not Michelle Pfeiffer. It's Halle Berry and Catwoman. Oh, God, not that one for the love of God. <laughs> no, like I said, the bar for superhero movies is pretty low, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, that one's exceptionally low. <laughs> I, in like it's on the, the ground. And like the first third of the movie after uh, Steve is back alive, they spend there's like a 10 or 15 minute section where they're kind of going around and it's just him like being enamored with, you know, the world 65 years in the future. And honestly, I, I just wanted the movie to be that for two hours because I found it very entertaining. Yeah, it's like the Captain America thing. But instead of being some like uptight Captain America guy. It was, you know, Chris Pine just being like, look at this fanny pack. Yeah, this like the, great. The scene where he's like trying to choose an outfit was excellent. Dude, yeah. So I, I would say it is worth watching. I think Matt was underselling it a bit. No. <laughs> you have HBO Max, Kyle. You should just watch it. Yeah, I guess All if, right, you so, if you're not, so, not going to pay for watching it, like, don't don't do that. Okay, so let me ask this question. Uh, Spend your on stimulus a scale of on it. Zero to four thumbs. Walter, how many thumbs would you give it? How do you give it four thumbs? Don't ask questions. Just would you give it four thumbs? Or I, zero I'll, give, thumbs? I'll give it my two human thumbs. Two human thumbs? And like uh, two enthusiastic big toes as well, because that's as most as I can give. There we go. We'll take that. Uh, so I'll, Mr. I'll Matt? Do the, uh, I'll do Roger Ebert did four stars, not thumbs. That's a little weird. Uh, I'll give it two. So you're both at the mid level, like it's it's middling. No, I mean I'm two two thumbs and also two toes. Oh, so you think it's like four? So awesome, greatest thing ever since. I mean, bread. I I would have gone and gotten other people's thumbs if I wanted to give it four thumbs, Kyle. You used your toe thumbs, man. You've run out of thumbs. <laughs> what? Wouldn't they just be foot thumbs? It'd be like saying finger thumbs to say toe thumbs. Good point. <laughs> No, I mean, it's it's worth watching for free, much like most things on the internet, yeah. except Catwoman, except 2004 Catwoman. Sorry. Okay. No, don't, oh, watch, yeah, yeah. Just don't watch that. It's... You know what movie's a contemporary of Catwoman and doesn't get as much appreciation? I'm sure you're going to tell us. Harpies. <laughs> Honestly, Harpies is almost less bad than Catwoman because you know it was shit from the get-go. But Harpies was made in 2007. So they had three years of technology ahead of Catwoman. No, no, no. They, they couldn't afford the three years of technology. <laughs> they couldn't afford Halle Berry either. <laughs> no, that's why they got the shittiest Baldwin. <laughs> they didn't get Stephen Baldwin. The sweatiest Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is definitely true. <laughs> oh, Stephen. Let me read this description to you, Kyle, of Harpies. Jason Avery is an ex-cop now working as a museum security guard. Armed thieves break in, intent on stealing a priceless obelisk that looks like a glowing crystal dinosaur egg. <laughs> oh my god. The fact that I've seen that movie twice. That's more times than you've seen Catwoman. You are not wrong. I think I've seen Catwoman more than Harpies. Terrible. Uh, anytime someone comes over and they haven't seen Catwoman and I learn of this, we watch Catwoman. And I just spend half the movie watching them. I thought that was Harpies now. 
it, it, it could be. I don't know. I think Catwoman's worse. Like it's certainly worse, right? Yeah, I think Catwoman is probably worse. Yeah, that basketball scene alone, man. Anyway, this has been a podcast. It it has that been a podcast. It has. Yep. Well, this has been Table Variation. We'll see you guys later. Thanks for listening. Happy 2021.